Welcome to the Devoted City Church podcast. Our mission is to help people find, trust, and follow Jesus. To learn more about our church, visit devotedcity.com. In today's episode, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Donnie Williams, or a member of our teaching team. Well, good morning, everybody. So we're in this last week of a series that's been 17 weeks. 17 weeks ago, we uh, started teaching through the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And what we've learned about is what life is like in the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus taught this, the, the sermon. That's why he shared what he shared with the people that day by the Sea of Galilee. They were sitting on a hill. He was sitting at the bottom and he's probably speaking up to them as he shares principles for living in the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God, if you haven't heard us say it before, is the rule and reign of God in the hearts of people. If you've ever wanted to know what Jesus believes about a lot of different topics, just read Matthew chapters five, six, and seven. If you ever hear someone saying, hey, this is what Jesus believes about this, then go back to Matthew five, six, and seven and read and you can see what Jesus believes about a lot of different things. Actually, everything's going on in our culture. Go see what Jesus believes about that and you can find it. So when I was a, an older teenager, I was probably 16 or 17, uh, my family was good friends with a deputy sheriff and I started getting into some trouble. And so I think it was my mom that set this up. So they had a plan. This deputy sheriff was gonna come by the house. He's gonna pick me up. He's gonna take me on. He didn't call it a ride along, it was a ride along. And so I spent the day with him. I thought he looked cool, you know, he's fit, tall, got the uniform on, got to get in the cool cop car. Uh, I was wanting to press the button to do the siren so bad, but he never let me, he didn't ask me and I, I was afraid of him a little bit. So, <laughs> so I, he pulled people over for speeding. Uh, he wrote tickets for running stop signs, expired registration, all that. And I spent the whole day, and I, the whole day I was thinking, where's he eventually gonna take me? Because <laughs> yeah, I'm in the front seat, so I know I'm not going to jail. So we get to the end of the day, and he asked me if I enjoyed the day, and we talked about that a little bit. And, and he said, Donnie, I just wanted to tell you, uh, I've known your family for years, and I like you. But if you don't obey the law, there will be consequences, and I'll come get you. And I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> like, and I've told him later, I was like, that probably kept me from getting in some trouble that I might have said yes to because I knew you were gonna come get me. Well, today we're learning about the consequences to not obeying what Jesus says to do. Not in a way where he's waiting to get us or catch us uh, off guard or uh, punish us, but there are consequences in life when you refuse to obey God's plan and call on your life. Last week, we talked about false teachers and how to recognize false teachers. There's never been a more important time for us to learn how to discern, to recognize when something false is being said because there's so much in front of us. You don't know what's true. You don't know what's false. But what if we could grow in our discernment of learning how to recognize false teachers. Jesus told us how to do that. If you missed last week, go back on our YouTube channel, just search LifePoint Church Raleigh and you'll find it. 
So Jesus, uh, when he talks about obedience and disobedience, he does it by sharing two uh, contrasts in two different sections. Now, when I talk about obedience to Christ, it's important that we understand that it's Jesus is not saying uh, your obedience to me makes you worthy before me. He's not saying that. Obedience does not mean earning our salvation or earning our right to be before God. That's not what obedience is. If you grew up in an environment, in a church environment or religious environment that you woke up in the morning thinking, okay, I'm pure right now because I just woke up. I didn't send in my sleep, so I'm awake. So I'm okay, but through the day, you tended to feel further and further away from God, so you had to go uh, you know, do something to get yourself right back before God. Anybody relate to that? Where you're never quite sure where you stand. Am I in, am I out? I'm not really sure. Well, that's not what we're talking about when we talk about obedience. However, obedience is what puts me in the kingdom of God. And so as we're considering what life in the kingdom of God is like. We've learned it through the teachings of Jesus. We get to Matthew chapter seven, verse uh, 21 through 23. And Jesus says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. So there's two groups of people here. There's the group that uh, does the will of the Father, like Jesus said. The ones that hear, uh, well done, are the ones that do the will of the Father. Well, what's the will of God? The will of God that is that we would all trust and follow Jesus. That's his will. How do you do the will of God? Well, the will of God is that we all trust and follow Jesus with our lives. Those are the people that Jesus is talking about at first. And then he mentions another group of people that believe they're following Jesus, but they're actually not. Now, when I first started reading the Bible, this verse scared me because I thought, could I live my entire life believing with all my heart that I'm following Jesus and get to the end and him go, who are you? I've never known you. That, it scared me. So geez, this is not written uh, so we would be afraid. It's not written so uh, we would feel this God in heaven just waiting to kick us back in line when we step out. So you might have some of those same fears when you read the scripture. But if you remember in, its, in context, this is right after Jesus said, here's how you recognize false teachers. There's false teachers out there. You recognize them by the fruit they produce. Like what are they producing in their lives? What kind of followers are they producing? And that tells you whether or not they're a false teacher. And so what he's saying is, there's not just false teachers out there, there are also false disciples. And in the crowd that day, there would have been, all the crowd would have thought that you were right before God because of the actions that you have in your life, whether you obey certain rituals or 
uh, pray at the right time or certain dietary restrictions, all those things, the law, the, the 613 commands that they would have learned as Jewish children growing up, they thought my ability to obey these is going to affect my right standing before God. And what Jesus is saying is, look, there are those who will act like they're following Jesus, maybe even believe they're following Jesus, but in reality, they're not. How do you know? Pay attention to the fruit of their lives and you'll know who is false. And evidently, they, they could do some things that looked good. They could speak, they could drive out demons, they could perform miracles, and they were doing this thinking they were following Jesus, but they weren't. There will be those, here's what this scripture tells us. There'll be those who do the will of God and those who do not. And the outcome is different for each one. What Jesus is getting at is there will be people who look like they're, everything's together on the outside and they are following me. And they, you may think, well, what a great person. They're doing great things. But on the inside, they've never even gotten to know me. So that tells me when I get to know Jesus, it doesn't start on the outside and go to the inside. It starts on the inside. Jesus is after our hearts. And the way we accept him is to surrender all of our lives to him. Everything within us gets surrendered to him. There's another section in the book of Matthew where Jesus is speaking to some religious leaders who if you saw them, you would think, well, they're a nice person. They do nice things, they help other people, they serve, they say nice things. And here's how Jesus responded to a group of them. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So. Jesus is saying you can get it all right on the outside, but on the inside, if you've never given your heart fully over to me. Here's how I see that played out sometimes. Sometimes an adult will come when we talk about baptism and say, uh, I was baptized when I was whatever, teenager, a kid, uh, in my early 20s, but I did it because I wanted to join this certain church. I did it because uh, all my friends were doing it and I was like, well, I guess I better do it. And then they hear us talk about what baptism is, that full surrender in Christ to Christ that represents my own death, burial, and resurrection in Christ. And then somebody might say, well, I, I need to get baptized. I wasn't baptized that way, so I need to get baptized. They were doing something on the outside, but it had no effect on the inside. That's what Jesus is talking about because baptism has no meaning unless someone's heart and life are fully submitted to Christ. So obeying, obeying Christ externally does not equal surrendering internally. That's why we also say that baptism is for those who are old enough to make a decision to give their hearts and lives to Christ and follow him. So what's the difference in these two types of obedience, the internal and the external? Internal obedience says, God, I'm gonna give you everything. It's yours, my desires, my hurts, my skills, my mind, my heart, and I'm saying, Jesus, I give you all of this in obedience. Now, why do we need to do that? Well, we are all born sinful. We're all born with this sinful nature that naturally leads us away from God. And so there's at, a, at some point, some do it very young, some wait till older in life, 
But at some point, we come to the conclusion that our sinful nature has drawn us and led us away from God, and then we submit to him and obey him, and we accept Christ. So here's our choice. Do I embrace my inner self, or do I deny my inner self and give all of my life to Christ? That's your two choices. Do I obey the inner self, whatever I feel, and my truths, my beliefs, or do I give up my inner self to Christ? Now, it's not popular. Uh, those are fighting words to some people. Like, that, put it up, they're ready to go. If you start talking about denying your inner self, because the world teaches this, embrace your inner self. Embrace that sinful nature that was put inside you. They wouldn't call it that. They would just call it, that's your truth, embrace it. But Jesus comes along and says, release that, give that to me, obey me with all of your life, and you will be welcomed into the kingdom of God. So here's a question to ask. Is there any part of me I'm unwilling to surrender fully to Christ? See, one group was, and one group was not. And that's why Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but who will? The ones that do the will of the Father in heaven, which is to believe and obey Christ. Now, Jesus is not asking for perfection. He's asking for surrender, and there's a difference. So if I surrender to Christ, have I earned anything? No, you're not earning anything. It's like the, the best way to understand obedience is that people who are fully surrendered to Christ obey not in order to gain anything from Christ, but because of. Author D.A. Carson says it like this. It is true, of course, that no man enters the kingdom because of his obedience. But it's equally true that no man, or man enters the kingdom who is not obedient. It is true that men are saved by God's grace through faith in Christ. But it's equally true that God's grace in a man's life inevitably results in obedience. So real faith means real obedience. So a question to ask is, am I willing to obey Christ with all my life? Am I willing to obey Christ when it's hard? Am I willing, willing to obey Christ when it goes against something I feel? Am I willing to obey Christ when no one around me is? See, it's not popular today to talk about laying down our personal desires for someone else. So you're not gonna be popular if you say, you know what, I think we all just ought to lay down our personal desires and our personal feelings and obey Jesus. But that's precisely what Jesus is talking about. See, obedience sometimes is just, it's just not real popular. I remember one of the first weddings I ever officiated I don't even remember the couple's names, but I remember sitting with them and I'm going through, like I still do, like, what do you want me, you know, like, is there any scriptures you want me to read? Here's what I usually say. What would you like me to add in? What's the order you want? Any special elements? And this young lady spoke up and said, hey, do we have to say obey to each other? I was like, well, I mean, <laughs> you don't have to say it, <laughs> but... but when, when marriage starts, it, there better be some mutual obedience going on or life's not gonna be good. But she didn't want to say it. 
And I was like, well, if you want me to read the scripture, that's what the scripture says. And, and I didn't keep in touch with them. I don't know how their life went. I don't know if they're still together. But if they did not learn, there has to be mutual obedience and submission in a marriage. Their marriage is rocky. They're probably going to bed mad if they're even still together. So obedience doesn't have to be this, oh, I'm giving up so much. I'm, I, there's a part of me I can't be. You'll never be your true self until you truly obey something greater than yourself. And in this case, it's Jesus. You'll find your true self in Christ and no other place. So if you're looking for true self, Jesus is the place to find it. So then Jesus talks about what obedience looks like, what it looks like to obey his teachings, apply them to uh, our lives. He's telling the people that day, look, if you want to, they've just heard this long, maybe hours long message from Jesus. And then he says, some people will put them into practice and some people will not. And he describes it by contrasting what it looks like to build in a wise way or foolish way, beginning in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. So there's a lot of similarities in the two builders. They both build. Both houses could have looked identical. Both experienced storms. Yet one stood and one crashed. So he's saying, some people hear my words and they put them into practice. That means they are on a solid foundation because storms are coming. Some people hear his words and they don't put them into practice and they don't obey them or believe them. They've built their house on a shaky foundation. Both people build, both people have a house, both people endure storms, one stands and one crashes. Did you ever wonder why is it people react in something that, that seems to be that something you could get through just destroys their life. It's where their foundation is built. Everybody builds, everybody has storms. Now there's a couple of different storms that in this room that are upon us today. One would be just uh, storms from life, pain, hurt. Uh, Health-wise, you're not where you hoped you would be. Life is not where you hoped it would be financially. Career-wise, maybe you're not where you thought you'd be financially. Or relationally, you're just not where you thought you would be. And so that's a storm. You could get news tomorrow morning. You lose your job. The doctor gave you a bad report. Whatever. A relationship falls apart. And you're in the middle of all of a sudden having to endure a storm. Those types of storm comes for, comes for everybody. The question is, are you on a solid foundation where those storms might hurt, but they're not gonna defeat you? They might hurt and disappoint, but they're not gonna end you. And then there's another type of storm, and that's the storm from the world around us. If you haven't noticed, our world has some division in it right now. 
probably more so than ever before. And I'm gonna explain why I think that is. Why is the world off the rails morally and it's getting worse? Why do I mention that a lot? Because who else is gonna mention it? Where else are you gonna hear it? Who else is going to help people discern the difference between truth and a lie? Where else can you get that except in God's word? So yes, I'm gonna mention it a lot because we need to learn how to discern, am I building on shaky ground? Are some of the beliefs I'm starting to adopt into my life, are they moving me from the rock to the sand so when the storms come, everything comes crashing down? Or am I continuing to hear and be convicted and believe in things that are eternal and absolute and can change my life for the better. Here's an example. For the last probably 20 years or more, maybe 30, we have heard about the storm of tolerance or intolerance. Now, now this is how progressivism works. You can probably remember that everybody was encouraged to be tolerant. You have to be tolerant be tolerant of people that are different than you, believe different than you, live differently than you. That's actually true, you should. Which means be nice, be courteous, be loving, be kind, and truthful. And so the world kept saying, you need to be tolerant. Don't be intolerant. You don't hear that much anymore. You know what you hear? You need to change your beliefs. You can't just be tolerant. You gotta believe what everybody else believes. And if you don't, you're canceled, you're done, you're dismissed. Like, just see how that's changed and the storm's gotten from, hey, be tolerant. Okay, I get that, be tolerant to, no, no, it's not enough to be tolerant. You gotta believe what I tell you to believe. And if you don't believe what I tell you to believe, you don't fit in anymore. That's how the world works. That's how Satan has orchestrated it. And some people who followed Jesus started out on the rock and then the storms come along and they move a little bit more into the sand, a little bit more into the sand. Just pick a topic. Think about the storms against families, against children, against marriage, against the unborn. Think about all those storms that you probably can name Christians and you might be one that said, well, is it all that bad? Yeah, but here's all these reasons it should be okay. That means, if you're doing that, that means what may have once been on the rock is moving on to a sandy foundation. People can live however they wanna live. They can. That's how God set it up. We can live however we choose to live. But that means all of us can choose however we want to live. And some of us who say I follow Christ, we have this obligation not to accept everything, but to love people and to care for people and show kindness as we share truth. So there's this guy I follow on social media and I was, he, he said this really convicting thing about children and about the grooming of children. And then uh, this person responded in this long public uh, response on social media and, and used Greek, used first century history, uh, use scripture and use theologians to prove that Jesus would actually be okay with abusing and grooming kids. That's what they said. And I wanted to respond and say, you can live however you want, but you don't get to change God's word. 
You can say whatever you want, but you don't get to call evil good and good evil. You can do whatever you want and we're still gonna show love and we're still gonna show kindness, but we're gonna speak truth and you don't get to change what God's word said to match what you wanna do. That's not how it works. And when Christians start to buy into that, you're moving from solid ground to shaky ground. And the choice is ours where we're gonna build, on the rock, which is the unchanging truth and authority of Christ, or on the sand that hears the word of God and doesn't apply it. So how do you build on solid ground? With Jesus making it clear what's gonna happen to people who don't build on solid ground, who never give their hearts to him, he says this is what's gonna happen. That's the consequences of disobedience. What do you do to avoid that? How do you build on solid ground? Because maybe after what I've said, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm in. I will build on solid ground. How do I do that? Well, the word of God is the only source that we can study and learn and meditate on to grow deeper in our faith, to grow deeper in our understanding of who God is and what he's done for all of us. Remember, one of the glaring signs of a false teacher or false teaching is a lower view of scripture. One that says, hey, Jesus really was, he would be okay with all this stuff with kids that's going on. That's Jesus. And I can prove it by this, 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 and this. That's a lower view of scripture. And that would be a false teacher. False teachers create false believers. And our world is so caught up in listening to false teachers, it's created false believers. And I'm dedicated to make sure that what we create are true believers in Christ and we lead people to him. And the volume of God's word in my life has to be louder than the world around me. And you cannot build on solid ground if you are slowly taking steps towards the sand and adopting the beliefs of the world. You can't. His teachings in God's word are where we need to start with building a solid foundation. And if, you, if this book intimidates you and you're like, I don't even know where to start reading. Now I know to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, but what about all the other stuff in there? We've got this great resource that our young adults have gone through. Some of our uh, high school students this summer are going through it. It's called Real Life Theology Handbook. Uh, you can, uh, I'll leave this on the front of the stage if you wanna take a look at it afterwards, but uh, just look that up on Amazon and get this. You, you might feel like when you read the first uh, couple of pages in the intro, it's written to young people, and it is, but us old people can read it too. And its subtitle is How to Build Your Life on what's true. If you wanna do that, if you wanna learn about truth, parents, if you wanna lead your kids through something that's gonna help them build their lives on a solid foundation, pick this up and go through it. It's 13 weeks, it's strong, it's got a lot of worksheets in there that can help you discern truth and discern how to walk through our crazy culture with all the storms that are around us. Back in 2009, there were almost 9,000 people who claimed to be Christian who participated in a study with the Center for Biblical Engagement 
about the effects of reading scripture and studying it. One time a week really didn't have an effect on anybody's life. Two times a week really didn't have a great effect on anybody's life. Three times a week, a little bit more effect, but still not much. But four times a week, and they call it the power of four, four times a week and more, it started to have an amazing effect on the people who were being studied and being surveyed. People who engaged with God's word four times a week or more, here's what they discovered. They were 57% less likely to abuse alcohol, to get drunk. They were 68% less likely to have sex outside of marriage. They were 61% less likely to view pornography if they were engaging with God's word four times a week or more. And then on the positive side, they were 228% more likely to share their faith with others. 230% more likely to disciple someone else, helping somebody else follow Jesus and live like him. They were 407% more likely to memorize scripture if they were engaged with God's word four times a week or more. See, you can't build your life on a firm foundation without building your life on the teachings of Jesus. And the place we learn the teachings of Jesus is in the Bible. It's accurate, it's thorough, it's true. You do have to be careful what translation you read, but it's accurate and it's thorough and it's true. And that's where we hear, read and apply the teachings of Jesus. Storms will come in life. It's guaranteed, they're coming. They're coming for all of us, either personally or culturally, storms are coming. The stronger your foundation, the more ability you'll have to withstand the storms that's gonna come into everybody's life sooner or later. So here's what I wanna ask. I wanna ask you to be bold. And I wanna ask you uh, to show me by standing up who's willing to build their life on a firm foundation of Christ and his word and commit to that. Just stand up if you're willing to do that. I'm not gonna look around, see if anybody's still sitting down, but thank you. Thank you for, it's like, I'm standing up. I'm not sitting down for that. But those of you that, are, that stood up and said, yes, I'm, I'm committed to that. I'm gonna do it. Just go out and do it. Go out and start to build your life, rebuild your life. If you feel like you're on some shaky sand that could affect your foundation because of everything, that all the influence around us, just start to move back towards the rock because that's the only place where it's predictable, where we find truth and how we will get through the storms that are gonna come into our life. And we'll stay standing while I read this last part of the Sermon on the Mount. It says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Another contrast, Jesus taught with authority from God. The teachers of the law taught from the authority within them. And so the authority from God in our lives through his word will put us on solid rock. See, we've learned that he is the foundation. It is him and his teaching. So we're gonna build on that and watch what happens when storms come into your life. So you can be seated. I wanna pray for you right now. And then after I pray, there's just gonna be a, a video with some words that'll just help you think about a firm foundation. And you know if you're not on a firm foundation. You know if you need to recommit to that. And so when the band comes out, 
after the video. Everybody stand back up and let's sing this song together. But some of you need to pray. You need to pray and you say, God, I need, I need to get off the sand. I need to be back on solid rock. I see it coming and I want to make sure that's where I stay. Some of you need to commit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna engage with your word four more times a week. Then just come down front and just pray right here as the band sings the, the last song and everybody else is standing up. Just come down and pray and say, God, I, I am willing to obey and I want to be the one that built in a wise way. You can start that today. Let's pray. God, thank you for these challenging words that we've learned over the last 17 weeks. God, may we apply them. We've heard them. Give us the strength to go out and apply them and build on the solid foundation. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Devoted City Church Podcast. If you liked today's episode, rate us and subscribe so others can be encouraged too. We invite you to join us on a weekend at one of our locations or online at devotedcity.com.